Well, hello and welcome to Age Space Money, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything to do with elderly care and finance. I'm Annabelle James and I set up Age Space as a one-stop online resource for anybody like me looking after or caring for their elderly parents. And obviously funding care and financing later life is one of the really, really big issues. And I'm Jason Butler. I'm a personal finance expert and my job here is to help Annabelle explain some of the issues and concerns and detail about personal finance so that you can make better decisions. Brilliant. It's great to have you here, Jason. So we're hoping to give you a bit of a plan about things you need to consider and when to do them. We thought we'd start with wills this time. I mean, I wrote mine, I think, when I just turned 50. My dad rewrites his every year. Um, And then in the days when him and mum used to go on holiday, he would phone my brother up the night before they left to tell him where he'd hidden it and also what changes he'd made. So why are we all so reluctant to write our wills, or most of us reluctant to write our wills? Well, when I was a financial advisor, I I interviewed nearly a thousand people. And I think Essentially, writing a will is almost like confronting your own mortality. Mm. You know, we all think when we're young, we're going to live forever, don't we? Yeah. Right? And it's not even just about dying, is it? It's also about this idea of getting old. Mm. You know, your dad sounds like a real organised guy. I mean, to to redo your will every year and tell the world where it is when he goes on holiday, I mean, that's real planning ahead. I know. And it's great, actually, because it does mean that we're all really clear about what money there is and where it needs to go. And I think that's been really helpful, particularly as we've had to make some of those bigger care decisions for them in, mm. the, in the last few years. I mean, one, one idea here is that um, you, can, you can now write a will in less than 20 minutes and for less than £50 by using an online will creating service. There's a bit of controversy about those. Well, well there, there is, but here's the thing. No one should be using an online simple £50 will creating service if you've got complex needs or multiple family issues or anything where there's substantial assets or what have you. But we're talking here about if you die intestate, you're not able to say who gets what, where and when. Mm. If you have a basic will, at least it's not the intestacy laws, it's you making some kind of decision about where you want your money to go. Mm. So I think the the reason why people should be thinking about having even a basic will, uh, even if they've got basic needs, is because it's just about not leaving a mess for people that you leave behind. So um, what, what does intestate really mean? Well, intestate means that you've died without leaving a will. Okay. And therefore, the way that your assets are going to be distributed following your death, is determined by what the government says in the intestate legislation. So, for instance, there is now a provision where if you die with a spouse or if you die with children or brothers or sisters, and it works out the order and how much each person should get. Ah, okay. And does it take much longer? Yes, it can do. I mean, the biggest problem with intestacy is it's the government deciding through the law who gets what, where and when. Ah. And that doesn't necessarily reflect what both you want to happen, and more importantly, what's right for the family. And every family is different. Sure. Okay. And so when you're writing a will, you can either go and buy online for 50 quid or go to a fancy lawyer and spend how much? I mean, I don't know. Presumably it depends slightly on how complicated the will is, does it? Yeah. I mean, it's like all these things. £50 to £100, you can buy an online will. I mean, which is the consumer organisation, and they are certainly a bona fide organisation that has an online service. Yeah. Okay, doesn't have to cost you a lot. If your affairs are very simple and you don't have very significant assets um, or you just want to keep your will very simple, Mm. even if you have got significant assets, that could be better than not having a will. Yeah. Okay. 
But in terms of if you've got, you know, you've married again or you've got stepchildren or you've got, you're estranged from uh, relatives or brothers or sisters or whatever it is, or you want to create trusts on your death or carve assets, put assets out of people's reach until they're older, then you probably need to consult a solicitor. And I do mean a proper solicitor, not one of these kind of people who are just taking will instructions, a proper qualified legal advisor. And you can expect to pay anywhere between 250 and two and a half thousand pounds for a will. Right. Okay. But the typical the typical lawyer will charge you probably not more than three or four hundred pounds mm. because where they make their money is in putting your will into their, what they call their will bank, and mm. their will bank is basically sort of like a as people die. They go back to the lawyer who's perhaps holding the original and says, oh, could you help us distribute the assets? So they make money by charging you to help administer the Uh, estate when you die. They don't really make much money from creating the will. Okay. And how do you encourage, particularly, you know, parents who are still hoping to be independent and living their lives? How do you encourage them to make sure that they've written a will? Well, I think what you do, this is my suggestion to people, is that you, you create a will which is completely flexible. So in other words, you just write a will that says who the executors are, they're the people that handle your estate, uh, who trustees would be of any, say, there's assets to to be administered after your death. And if there are still children or dependents, and this is relevant for older people who've got vulnerable adults that are still under their care, who Mm. perhaps uh, can't make their own decisions, you can decide who the guardians or the people who are going to make decisions for them. But I I always suggest that you make it completely flexible. Mm. So what you do is you just say it's down to the executors, to right. decide what to do with the assets when I die. So that means it's not going to be down to intestancy. And then what you can do is you do a letter of wishes that goes with the will so you don't have to keep changing the will like your dad did every year and all right. the costs and hassle and mm. signatures. and got. You just change the letter of wishes. And can you explain a bit more about what that is and how one might think about writing one? Well, a letter of wishes is pretty much what mm. it says. It's a letter that you write to the people who are going to administer your will, right. your executors, they're mm. the people that administer your assets when you die. And it just says, look, um, I'm leaving you, obviously, the discretion and the powers that are in the will to do whatever you want um, in terms of distributing assets. But here are some thoughts I had in terms of how I would approach it if I were you. Mm. But I'll leave you to make the decisions, the final decisions. But here are some thoughts. So you might say, for instance, my son is a spendthrift. Mm. So don't give him, you know, be very wary about giving him money to buy a 911 Porsche. Yeah. Uh, my daughter has always had a very hard life and is married to a tyrant. Um, I want you to help her, but not let him get his hands on the money. Or it could be, I've always wanted to do stuff here for any charity that helps people who've got learning difficulties. Mm. Um, I want you to think about them, but not to the exclusion of my family. So it's just a simple letter that sets out how you're thinking and how you might distribute your assets if you were administering the will, if you were alive. And the beauty about that is you can rip it up, redo it and sign it. Got you. And you don't need to have witnesses and so on, as long as obviously you've got the original and you put it with the will now, obviously, all of these things can be contested. There's nothing, no certainty in the world. Yeah. But it is just one way of thinking about it. If you don't want to write a will, which has got lots of complex things that you're worried about that mm. might go out of date or change or whatever, it's just it's just another way of thinking about it. So mm. I would say, if you're going to take legal advice, just ask your lawyer, should I do a flexible will and put my thoughts into a side letter that will guide the executors? They may advise against it, but it's certainly something you should think of. And that will 
sort of future-proof as well, presumably, does it, that, that flexibility? Well, it can do. I mean, obviously, estate laws, tax laws, uh, legal precedents, they're changing all the times. And, mm. and one thing you've got to remember with wills is that you can't cut people out of your will where the law says that you should have made a decision. So, for instance, you know, it's all very well saying, you know, your daughter-in-law, you can't stand her and you don't want her to have any money. But if the law says that you should have made reasonable provision, then you should have made some provision for them. And if you don't, then your will, any will, can be contested. Okay. So I think the thing here is this is not about cutting people out or, or being unreasonable. It's just about trying to be a little bit more intentional so mm. that the people you leave behind have got a bit more guidance than before. It's just about trying to minimise uh, aggravation when you die. Um, and thinking about my assets, if I'm going to write my will, how do, what do I need to think about and how do I put it all together? Well, when you're thinking about your assets, you've got three types of assets, haven't you? You've got your financial assets. Okay, so money in the bank, Money in the bank, shares, investments, pensions, etc. You've got your physical assets, so mm -hmm. that will be property, um, your car, musical instruments, any, you know, jewellery, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then you have digital assets. So this is like, you know, your Facebook account, your Amazon record collection, your, everything and anything, your photos, right. anything and anything that, that you have at the time of your death in a digital form. Yeah. I mean, photos is the big one, isn't it? Now people have got enormous amounts of photos. So it's important to basically set out what you've got. And this is, I would call it your financial MOT, whether you do a will or not, mm. listing out your physical assets, your financial assets and your digital assets, including where they all are and all the numbers, is very important. So, for instance, my father and mother-in-law, I have a list of all of their assets, everything. Um, obviously, not down to every, you know the fork and the spoons in their drawers, but yeah. you know anything substantial. And there are certain artefacts in their house that they are very attached to, and we've actually listed them out because mm. it gives them comfort that we know where everything is. Yeah. They've told us a few things about what they would want to happen to certain things, mm. but also I can keep an eye as the sort of overseeing things as to, oh, you know, that ice has matured or, you know, um, he's not getting a good rate in his savings account. So it's this kind of thing that you don't want to take someone's independence away from them, but knowing where the assets are helps you help support older relatives yeah. during their life in a way that is not disrespectful or mm -hmm. disempowering for them, yeah. but just keeps you knowing where everything is sure. and also knowing where all the documents are. Yeah, okay. Brilliant. So top tips. First of all, you've got to write a will. That's yeah. as simple as that, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to have a will. If you don't have a will, you're just leaving drama for people. Yeah. And here's the thing, you'll feel a lot better for doing it. And the second thing is to make sure that you list all of your physical assets, your financial assets, and more importantly, your digital assets. In my latest financial wellbeing book, we, we told the story there of a son and daughter who spent nine months trying to locate an enormous number of assets that their deceased father had. And they were still finding stuff nearly a year later. The third thing is choose your executors very carefully. Mm. Uh, don't appoint your bank to do it because they charge you a fortune. They don't care about who, mm. your family. So either someone that you know or a couple of people you know who are solid, you know, perhaps had professional backgrounds or very responsible people, or a local law firm because they'll still be better than using the bank because they'll know yeah. what your situation is and they'll know how to navigate things. The other top tip is make sure that you execute the will properly with two independent witnesses. Okay. More wills are avoided because they've not been executed properly than any other reason. And here's the other tip, and I know this from personal experience of dealing with a client, make sure 
that you tell the relevant people where the original <laughs> will is. Because if you can't find the original will, it's almost like it didn't exist. Yeah. Um, we had a client die, and this was many, many years ago. Could we find the original will? And the only reason that we could actually use the um, copy we had was because we'd actually signed it and witnessed it, and we did an affidavit to say that we saw the original. Okay. So we never want that to happen. So yeah, no, writing your will is not writing your death sentence. No, um, you're it's not going to die any quicker. No, 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 no. In <laughs> fact, you'll probably live longer. And here's the other thing: I saw some stats the other day that said if you, the average person who dies without a will, dies at age seventy-seven. Okay. The average person who dies with a will is age eighty-one. So you get four more years if you know have a will. But here's the other thing. The average age of someone who dies with a will, which has got a charitable bequest, is 87. So you get three more years ah, if you leave money to charity. Brilliant. So there we go. You add another seven or eight years by doing a will and leaving some money to charity. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Jason. Well, that's it for this episode. I'm Annabelle James. And I'm Jason Butler. And that was Age Space Money. If you've enjoyed this episode and it's been useful, please do rate and review us so more people can find us. You can listen and subscribe to Age Space Money on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts by clicking on the subscribe button. And you can find lots more information about some of the issues we've talked about and all the things we do at hspace.org. Do join our forums or suggest ideas for topics to discuss via info at hspace.org. And there are more editions of the Age Space Money podcast about funding care, equity release, legal powers of attorney, and getting yourself financially organised. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you can join us next time. <laughs>